I didn't know anybody. And just all of these things, it's just as a feeling like this is something I need to do. Yeah. And, and not putting the fear and all the obstacles, because no matter what, there's going to be obstacles in your way. Whatever you do, you're going to experience that. So to focus on it is, 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 an, is an injustice to yourself. So you've got to, you know, hone in on what is your long-term plan? Like, where do you, where do you want to go? And then, you know, I feel like if you know the end, mm-hmm. if you have a clear vision of where you want to end up, you know where to begin. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Black Belt Beauty Radio. All right, you guys. So this one is extra, extra, extra special, straight up. Um, this one is an episode that has been years in the coming. So, you know, when I started my podcast, I created this list, um, you know, when I was thinking about making my podcast. So it was before it even launched. So let's think back to like three years ago. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about like my wish list of guests. And this particular guest today, that I'm presenting to you was at the top of the list. My girl, Gina Brooke, you know, she is someone who has played a very big role in my life, an important role in my life. And so, you know, knowing that I was going to, you know, develop this podcast and want to bring on really incredible people who are thought leaders, high level experts, you know, people who have incredible stories and frameworks and, you know, just, you know, beautiful gems of wisdom that I know would be so supportive to, to my audience, to all of you guys, Gina was at the top of the list. So, I'm going to warn you right now that this intro is going to be a little bit longer than the usual ones. And that's partly because I want to make sure that I make, you know, I I really want to present to you who Gina is from, you know, a career perspective, but also, you know, who, who she is to me personally, because this is, again, this is like a hall of famer in Black Belt Beauty Radio. So... Gina Brooke is an American beauty expert and makeup artist. She's recognized as one of the leading talents in the world of beauty. She's known as the creative force behind some of the most memorable beauty trends and the development of numerous award-winning beauty products. Her vision and beauty philosophy is evident in the groundbreaking products she's developed as artistic director and global beauty consultant for leading cosmetic companies. Brooke's dynamic approach to beauty and emphasis on individuality quickly attracted the attention of pop icon Madonna in 2003. It led to over a decade of creative collaborations from countless editorials, album covers, red carpets, to video, film, media events, five world tours. Like, that's so serious, you guys. In 2004, L'Oreal commissioned Brooke as the artistic director to the makeup and skincare brand Shuumura, where she had hand-created lashes that revitalized the false eyelash industry and attracted the media attention of people like Oprah Winfrey. No big deal. In 2006, Brooke applied her artistic vision and created the new iconic diamond lashes, which set a record-breaking $10,000 per pair. 
The media frenzy was documented by every major fashion, beauty, and news outlets worldwide. What's so incredible about that too, you guys, and you'll hear this in the story, is you might think that, oh, they didn't really sell. No, no, they really sold. So Gina has this philosophy that the foundation of beautiful makeup begins with the skin, and it's so evident in her work. You know, that philosophy led her to years of researching innovative skincare products, and that would eventually lead her to the Australian skincare brand, Intraceuticals, where Gina has served as a global brand ambassador from 2010 to present. She's, you know, introduced the brand to her A-list celebrity clientele from Katy Perry, Madonna, Kim Kardashian, Justin Timberlake, and Naomi Campbell. She introduced the brand to me and I will tell you, Intraceuticals, that oxygen treatment is a game changer. So now I get to add some thoughts about who Gina is and how she has played a major role in my life. I met Gina when I moved back to LA after living in New York and Hawaii for years. Um, you know, I got back into my freelance makeup career and I started working with Shuumura. So they flew me up to San Francisco and you'll hear more about the details of this in our episode, but just to brief you a little bit, you know, I'm up in San Francisco working this makeup event and, you know, Gina is, you know, kind of starring the show at this event. And I was so excited to meet her. You know, she's the artistic director to one of my personal favorite makeup brands. And she's the creator, you know, behind all these beautiful, iconic makeup looks that, you know, you were seeing on Madonna at the time. I mean, literally she creates the most perfect cat eyeliner and her skin is luscious. So, you know, like I said, I'll leave the rest of the details around that story for you, but I think it's just important for me to express this in the intro that will live in this episode forever because, you know, meeting Gina and then becoming dear friends and then having the opportunity to learn from her, not just in how to perform on the highest level in this crazy, gnarly makeup career, um, but really how to operate from a deep sense of integrity as an artist and entrepreneur. She's the only mentor that I've ever had in my life. She is one of the most generous humans I know. You know, where most people would hold back in supporting up and comers, like I was at the time when I met Gina, you know, she didn't. She was so open and just, you know, wanted to support me. She opened doors for me. She shared timeless and valuable insights that have stuck with me throughout my makeup career and were so supportive to me in that process and really just bled into all, you know, the other parts of my life that have continued to serve me. I mean, let me tell you something. This conversation is ridiculous when, you know, there's so many wisdom gems. She's such a great storyteller. You know, I love her dearly. And I know that once you listen to this incredible episode, you do not need to be a makeup artist. You do not need to be, um, you know, working in the beauty industry. This is just for, you know, anyone who wants to be living a life from passion, purpose, and vision, because that is how Gina rolls, you know? So I will tell you this episode is filled with resilience, fortitude, courage, passion, empowerment, manifestation, inspiration, and above all, the beautiful, classic, sexy essence that is my talented girl, Gina Brooke. Gina, I love you, girl. You guys enjoy. It's 
Gina, I love you. Oh man, this is so exciting for me. Like I, thank you. Thank oh you. Thank God. you. And thank you for having me. Okay. So on so many levels, I'm thanking you though. Um, this is a moment for me because, you know, I launched the podcast just over two years ago. It was December over two years ago. And, and, you know, when it took me two years to actually launch the podcast from the time that I started thinking about wanting to create a podcast and in that process, you know, thinking about how I want to go about it. What's my dialogue? Like, who are my guests? You were on my wish list, right? Even though you and I have been friends for so long now. Um, but one of the coolest things about having this podcast, not only do I get to meet, you know, amazing people, from all walks of life, but it's this platform that I get to bring on people that are so dear to my heart that have impacted my life or still impact my life. You are one of those people. So oh this God. is really like a moment for me right now, girl. Wow. That's a huge compliment. I love you so much, Roxy. Thank you so much for saying those words. I really appreciate it. Um, cool. you look, you look gorgeous. Oh yeah. Qu quarantine beauty. <laughs> Just like <laughs> in full effect. Right now, but Thank you. How are you? How how has um everything been in this COVID quarantine for you? Well, you know, to be honest, um the life of an artist, I feel like this is, you know, we are in a situation where uncertainty uncertainty is uh, is the main issue here. And um I think the life of an artist is we, we kind of live this life. So we're either working so much or we're not working at all. Are we working next week? We don't know. So this is sort of like, I feel like I've built a resilience to something like what we're experiencing today. Oh, I totally agree. I say that. I, I feel that way so much. It's so true. You know, so you have been, I mean, I don't even know how long, but celebrity makeup artist, creator, you're just an incredible artist, period. And one of your mediums, which has been a huge you know, piece to your career life is, you know, celebrity makeup artist. And, you know, in this career path, it's like you said, it's, it's this, it's like an obstacle course. You don't know, you know, like every, especially in the beginning. Um, but really always you, you, there's just so much uncertainty always looming around us. So you're right. It totally builds this resilience and this ability to, I guess, stand on the edge of uncertainty and be like, I'm going to be okay. You know, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what comes next, but I'm going to be okay. Exactly. And you know, our, our lives, we're not nine to five people. We don't have that same stability that most people experience every day. Uh, most artists that I know feeling the same way. Yeah. And by the way, could we talk about the term celebrity makeup artist for a second? Yeah. Okay. So to be honest, Roxy, the term celebrity makeup artist never resonated with me or appealed to me in any way. And I'll tell you why. Because I feel that, you know, we are living in a time where um, false idols are glorified. And to use the term celebrity makeup artist, I get why it's used. It sells products. It makes people find you more appealing. Um, it gives a person credibility. But in reality, an artist is an artist. 
So no matter who you work with or what you do, you're still the same artist. And I don't think that defining yourself as a celebrity artist is doing justice. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes, it's beautiful sense. I love it. I love it so much. Um, it resonates with me as well. I think, yeah, you know, and, and now we're in a place where um, I think that even lives louder because, you know, when I first started doing makeup, uh, you know, when you would say to people, we, we didn't have Instagram back then or anything, right? It was like, oh, I do makeup. Oh, who do you work for? Like what brand or what? And you really had to go through and explain, well, no, I don't work for a brand or, you know, and so I think it became almost necessary at some point for me, at least in the career of like creating this kind of swimming lane of this is, you know, this is my focus. This is, but I'm so with you. I don't, I don't like to glorify a period. I don't like to create these kind of separation, this hierarchy, you're better. You're, I don't, I don't feel, and, and I, and I think that, um, you know, that is one thing where that comes from in you, Gina, is one thing that I have always felt from you and connected with you on is that, you know, while you have and continue to do like incredible work on, you know, from whatever, it could be tours, photo shoots, like all creating um, products for major brands, all the things that you've done, you've always been so real. You've always been so just humble and down to earth. And and honestly, that was always a, a pull for me where I just felt like you were home to me, like you were so comfortable. Yeah, it's so real. I mean, let's face it. It's very easy to get caught up in the world of, you know, entertainment. And yeah. in reality, it's all false. Like, let's be real. There's, you know, people can, you can be up here one day and down here the next. and. And that's just the reality of it. It really depends on, there's so many components to doing well and being quote unquote, well, you know, celebrity or famous, especially as an artist, you know, all it takes is maybe one, one great client or a great publicist who could be your friend. Um, but to me, when I think of celebrity, mm -hmm. um, I just feel like it's someone who is celebrated who is, you know, put up on a pedestal like, you know, Martin Luther King or JFK, people who have changed the trajectory of people's lives. So to be glorified as an artist who is a celebrity and to, to take that in is like kind of embarrassing. I don't know. I, I can't, and I, and I have no judgment towards anybody else who takes that title and runs with it, more power to it. But it was always kind of like, an embarrassing title for me because I just felt like I'm a human being, I'm an artist and I just want to be respected and I shouldn't have to feel that whoever I'm associated with is going to validate me. And I, and I try to do the same for everyone that I work with too. That's a huge piece. That's, that's really big. I want to, it makes me actually want to talk about, you know, we've talked about this before, but when you, started to develop yourself as a makeup artist. It's not like you had this agenda or this intention of obviously like, I'm going to be a celebrity makeup artist. Can you talk a little bit about how you arrived to your makeup artistry career? Like what drove you there in the first place? Yeah, sure. So, so my path to becoming a makeup artist was 
serendipitous. Basically, my mother was an artist, she was a painter, and I grew up watching her paint walls and large canvases filled with like color and texture. And that's what I think what inspired me to have a passion in art. And I think more so seeing her conceptualize her ideas and putting them on a canvas. And I, I think that's what propelled me to go to art school. But I never, I never dreamed of becoming a makeup artist. That wasn't ever my passion. I sort of fell into it. I wanted to be a designer. And um, I went to FIT and I met a, um, a fit model who she, we became really good friends. And she asked me if I would do her makeup for a photo shoot. And so I was like, but I'm not a makeup artist. She's like, yes, but you do your makeup so beautifully. It's really clean and pretty. And it, it really needs to be all about skin. So, I mean, and, and I have, I've always had like tons. I love products. I love textures. And I thought I could do this. But, you know, when we were growing up, makeup artists were behind the scenes so much that they weren't even mentioned in magazines. There was no, you know, no one even knew who did the makeup on, you know, the covers of magazines. So to aspire to be an, a makeup artist, I, I, I couldn't even imagine that because I didn't know anybody who was a makeup artist or how much they got paid and, or, or how far you can take your career. I had no idea. And um, so I did this photo shoot with this model and three months later, I'll never forget, I had been going to FIT, I was working three jobs. One of them was working as a hostess in a restaurant. And I got a phone call from the photographer who said, those pictures are so amazing. Thank you so much, you did such a great job. I want to um, book you for a campaign. And I realized, oh my God, I remember having so much fun on that photo shoot and asking the model, like, how much do makeup artists get paid? Like, do people really get paid to do this for a living? And I had no clue. And she explained to me that I needed a portfolio and I, I really had to like build a book and, 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 then, and then get an agent. And I was like, ooh, that just sounds, that just sounds too, like too much work. So, yeah. um, and I had already been going to school for something else. And I thought, no, I'm going to focus. And when I received this call from this photographer, I realized at that very moment, I had the opportunity to change my destiny. And I was struggling so much, literally crying, because every night I'd go home and I'd be so exhausted that I couldn't open the books and study because I was just so exhausted. So between trying to pay my rent and trying to pay um, my tuition, it was so overwhelming. And then here I have a photographer calling me up saying, hey, and this is back in the early 90s, I'm going to pay you $2,000 to do this job. And I, it was like, what? This was, I was... That's a I, big I mean, deal that all month, much less, you know, in a day. So, so he said, you know, he asked me my day rate. He told, I was like, well, what is the budget? Cause I, I had no idea. I would have lowballed myself. I had <laughs> I known what it takes, you know, to, to actually be a part of a photo shoot. I would have never taken that risk because there's a photographer's job. There are the clients. Like I had no idea. I was just like, okay. You need a makeup artist. It cost two thousand dollars. I'm your girl. So I showed up and I did the job, and um, he hired me, and then referred somebody else to me, and I started doing mostly advertising. 
Mm-hmm. And then it parlayed into uh, uh, fashion. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until the uh, I started noticing celebrities were gracing the covers of magazines. And I realized, oh, my God, you know, if I really wanted longevity in the business, I have to start working with celebrities. And quite honestly, the only celebrity I had ever worked with was B.B. King. It was for Sesame Street. And I was like, okay, you know, I here I am. I'm deciding like, okay, I'm going to be a makeup artist and I want to work with celebrities. And no one is going to give me a job by saying I work with B.B. King. (laughs) (laughs) Sesame Street was not going to cut it, especially. (laughs) And so, um, so. I, I basically, it took me about eight years to build a portfolio, lots of free jobs. I, I did so many different jobs. And the thing is, um, I learned so much from every single job. I learned, you know, I just wanted to please people. And there were, you know, I, I'm not a, tr- I wasn't a trained makeup artist. So everything was trial and error. If it didn't like the lighting and I noticed well, my makeup looks better with this photographer than that photographer. And I started, you know, learning so much about how important lighting was and how important a team was. You know, you have the right, I mean, there's been so many instances where I worked on photo shoots with an amazing model and maybe the hairstylist just decided to, to to create something really off and it just threw the whole shoot off. Or he would take, or she would take, two hours in hair and I wouldn't even get to the makeup. So, you know, if there needs to be a cohesive, like good vibe on set with your team. So, um, so to make a very long story short, um, I had a, a portfolio that took me about seven years to create. And I decided I was, I was engaged about to be married and I decided, um, that I wanted to pursue a career in makeup. And at the time, my fiance, who was the type of person who felt that, you know, I shouldn't work. And he wanted me to be his wife and have kids. And 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 I knew that would always be there, but I didn't want to marry someone who wouldn't allow me to pursue my own independence and my passion. And I, I wanted, like, I felt like I struggled my whole life always taking care of myself and, and, and trying to make it. And then I I have this one opportunity where it took me so many years to build this portfolio and to not give it a chance would be sort of just throwing everything I work for away. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just, I broke off the engagement four months before the wedding. And I said, if this guy really loves me, he'll be there when I get back. And if not, then so be it. And so I moved to California two weeks before September 11th. From New York. Yeah. Okay. From New York. Just so they know. Yeah. And every single person that I had met along the way would tell me, here's my number. When you move to California, I am going to hook you up. Or you move to California, consider yourself having a job. And all of these people were like, don't worry, I've got you. And I thought, this is amazing. I'm moving to California. So he actually owned a moving company. So his moving company came, they packed my entire apartment. And uh, I had told the foreman, please don't touch. It had like, you know, everything was on. I had reels and there were tapes and stuff. (laughs) Please don't touch this one table. And it had all of my portfolios on it, everything. And um, 
I'm very much like OCD, like everything in order. And I was starting to feel anxiety having this company come and start packing my whole house. So I thought, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to breathe a little bit. I'm going to get a, grab a latte and I'll come back. And hopefully they'll be packed by then. And then I could maybe think a little more clear. And so when I came back, all of the portfolios off the table were gone. All and I just need to plug this in because we're in a time now where it's like people don't even need a port, like your portfolio is your Instagram now. It's not even your website anymore or your agent. So for contacts, like that at this time and, and, and when I started to, we had to print our photos, have this like high quality physical book that would be, oh God, it was gnarly. I mean, just to get engrave your name. And so to get, you know, one part, the, how hard it was to like actually put yourself through these shoots and build these images, but then to actually have this physical book that costs so much money, let alone all the years of work that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So now seven years of my life are gone from this table. And I said to the foreman, what happened? You said you weren't going to pack that area. And he said, oh, don't worry. It's on the truck. And I'm like, is there any way you can get it off? I'm I'm leaving to California in two days and I really need to have those portfolios. He's like, honestly, it was the first thing that we packed. So it's in the back of the truck. But when, when we unload, I'll make sure we send it to you. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, when you're moving, there's so much going on and you're trying to get it together. And, um, I get on a, I get on the flight to California and I'll never forget the, the foreman called me up and said, I am really sorry to tell you this. And I said, what? He's like, we can't find that box that you were referring to with your books, but don't worry. We have insurance. And I thought, what? Like, <laughs> like my heart cannot can't, I can't. No, I swear. This is a real story. And, um, so, so I never forget. I, w- I flew to California. So, sobbing, like just hysterical crying. And I'll never, and and like, I just, I just realized like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to start a whole new life? I just broke up with my fiance, stopped my wedding. And here I am trying to pursue my career and everything I had worked for is gone. Like, what does this mean? Well, why? What is, you know, you don't, yeah, you know how, right things happen. And then you realize like a few years down the line, it's the best thing that ever happened to you, which it was the best thing that ever happened to me because when I got to LA, I couldn't, I couldn't get a job because every photographer that I ever worked with, I contacted when I moved to Los Angeles. And I said, look, it's a long story, but I need back in 2000 or 1990 something, we worked on this shop. You know, it's like, nobody wants to get those phone calls. Like, can I, and I didn't, I didn't have an agent. So of course, like when you don't have an agent, there's less, there's less clout there. Right. So they're like, no problem. I'll try to find it for you. And I'll, 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 I'll send it to you. And then September 11th happened two weeks later. Oh my goodness. And of course people like lost, there was so much loss in New York that I couldn't possibly call anyone again and ask them for those photos. So I thought, that's it. Like I saved some money. I'm going to have to start from scratch and build a new book. And every single person that I called, every single person that promised me a job, never even called me back. 
And that was, that was really painful because I believed people were going to help me. I, I really believed and I trusted, I had so much hope that I was going to get a job. And so, um, this is a funny story. So, so I, I lived in a hotel for about two months and I realized this is too expensive. Like I, I was so, so, um, heartbroken over the portfolios that I couldn't eat. And I literally weighed probably 25 pounds less than I do now, just because I was so sad that I couldn't even eat. And I, I, I mean, I revolve my days around food. I, yeah. I, <laughs> we let, yes. <laughs> I love to eat. I'm happy. I'm Greek. I mean, like I love to eat. So I just, you know, it's bad when I have no desire to eat. Yeah. And so, um, and that's never happened to me before. And then I thought like, oh my God, I, I could have gotten married and I wouldn't have to worry. And all of these things went through my head. And then finally, um, I had to leave the hotel and I called a friend of mine in tears going, I didn't expect to live in this hotel so, so, so long. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm literally going through my savings and I'm, I'm really scared and so a friend of mine said, look, I've got a friend. She lives in Venice Beach, California. Just go to her apartment. She's, she's away in China, but you can stay there for like a month until she comes back. And I was like, amazing. Mm-hmm. So her name was Karen, the most amazing woman ever, by the way. And so, so I stayed in her apartment and it was surreal. Like I, I would literally like take walks to Venice Beach at like, eight o'clock at night. And I didn't realize. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's so many things I learned. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, then finally I, I couldn't find an apartment. Um, and I thought, okay, I've got to get a car. I got, I got a car. Um, and then I, um, I kept driving around because in California, you just like drive around. You don't like look up online for an apartment, there's signs outside, which is so different from New York, apartment rental. And I just remember going down this one street on Hayworth and looking over this like beautiful gate. And this is the funniest thing, like your perception of what California is like, like I had never been to California. So (laughs) to me, it's like 90210, like everybody lived, (laughs) everybody lived with a pool in the middle and bungalows and everything. Everyone's on here. Like, this is like perception of California. So I'll never forget. Like, I, I was like, I want to live in this apartment complex. And, um, and uh, I rang the bell and nobody answered. And I was like, I'll come back another day. Came back the next day. I rang the bell. Somebody let me in. And somebody came out of their apartment. And it was literally like the, like a pool in the middle and bungalows. Like exactly how I envisioned and so um, I met this one person and they're like, look, nobody ever moves out here. But if you want, here's the manager's number. His name is John. Call him and he'll um, maybe he'll you know, keep you in mind when an apartment comes up. But no one ever moves here. So I call this guy. His name's John Corbett. And I, I, um, I call him up. I'm like, hi. John, my name is Gina Brooke, and um, I really love the apartment complex on Hayworth, and I, I just I wanna I wanna I wanna live there. And he's like, I'm really sorry, sweetie, but you know, no one ever moves out here. But 
you know, to, there's nothing I could do for you. And I was like, okay. So he hung up. And then a week went by, two weeks go, and I'm like thinking, I have to move. I have to get out of this apartment before this woman comes home from China. Um, <laughs> I've got to get a place. So, um, so I called John again, and I was like, John, please, like, you're sure no, no one's lease is expiring anytime soon? Or he's like, I'm sorry, like, don't call me. I'm really busy. Um, I have your number if things should change. I'm like, it's just that I just moved here from New York and I, I envision living here and I really want to live there. And he's like, I'm really sorry. There's no apartments available. So literally the next day I was like, I'm living there. Like I know, I was like, I love it. I'm living there. I could see myself there. I really can. So the next day I drove, uh, in a back carport to see if I'd have parking when I moved there. And I drove back and I'm like looking, I'm like, oh, there's parking. This is interesting. And then a, like an old like um, school bus comes up from behind me. And this guy's like, excuse me, miss, can I help you? And I'm like, yes, hi, I just moved here from New York and I really want to live here. Do you know of anyone moving? He's like, is your name Gina <laughs> And I'm like, yes, how do you know? He's like, my name is John. You called me all the time. <laughs> Like, you're not going to believe this. I was meaning to call you this morning. And I'm like, what? He's like, one of my tenants just gave me notice this morning. And I want, I can show you the apartment right now if you want. I was like, what? Yes. And literally he showed me this apartment. It was number nine, which is my favorite number. And he's like, this is, this is it. And he opened the door and I was like, oh my God, I'll take it. And literally I end up living there for years. And it ends up being Tom Cruise's first apartment when he moved to California, too. Oh, really? Yeah, That's like crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, and it was um, rad, by the way, because that was where we met. So that I've been to that place. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And there I met all of my close friends, like my friend Valerie Matias, who are amazing artists, and my friend Gara Gambucci, who's a stylist, and Ron McMillan, who owned MC Squared as a marketing company. And I'll never forget, I, I was sitting at the pool and Ron came up to me and he's like, you're new here. And I was like, yes, I just moved here. And you know, I've got to figure out how to get a job. And yeah. I literally, I started panicking because, you know, I had been out of work for a couple of months and you know how it is. You just go getting a car, getting an apartment. You just, money just goes out the window. Totally. When you're and so um, he's like, if I said, you know, I, I explained my portfolio situation. He's like, I know a guy who assisted her Brits. His name is uh, Brian Bowen Smith. And if you want, I can connect you with him. And you guys could maybe build a portfolio together. So I called Brian, we connected, and I end up building a portfolio together. And it took me about a year and a half. But in the course of that year and a half, I was like literally canvassing for like city councilmen. I was like knocking on doors being like, this. I, I had to, I had to start making money. And so I, I'll never forget. Like I went to, I, I found a, this job and a paper and they're like, do you, you know, you need to go to different areas of California and, and ask if people are like, you, you can tell whether a Democrat or Republican and you basically knock on a door and you try to get them to vote for the city councilman because it's a very, you know, city councilman is a very important job. So a lot of people just don't realize that. So I was like, no problem. I could do this job. I'm like, how much does it pay? He's like 75 cents a signature. And I was oh, like, wow. Wow. I will hit 
rock bottom. Like this is bad. Wow. But I'm like, you know what? This is a temporary space. This is not who I am. I'm, I'm going to focus. I'm going to get this job. And I'm going to hope that when I build my portfolio, something good will happen. And so I'm going to never forget knocking on doors. And I would go, like, the first place they dropped me off was, like, Compton. I didn't know where I was. And they're, like, knock on the door. And I'd be, like, hi. And, like, literally, you would hear all these things, like, gunshots go off. And I was, like, where am I? I had no idea where I was. I was, like, I know that I'm not in a good place. This is, like, I got to be careful as, like, I'm I'm myself. And it's I learned so much about Los Angeles because – Knocking on those doors, hearing everybody's concerns, like there's gunshots, there's like, we have like drug dealers in our parks and we, you know, we're scared and there's, there's this and there's that. And all of these real concerns that people are experiencing, right. Yeah. That need to be changed. Yeah. And then the next day I would go to the Hollywood Hills and I would knock on their doors and I would say, so tell me, because, you know, you want to get people to talk and engage with you. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what are your concerns? What do you feel that you need to change in your community? And people would be like, well, we need more park benches and we need more flowers. And I'm like, wow, this is eye-opening. So to me, it was, it was an education. And uh, sadly, Ferris, I, it was for Ferris Wavy. He didn't win. But... Um, uh, it was a great experience. And then from there I built this book yeah. and, um, this is a great story. I'll never forget. I remember going to the Beverly center and just looking around and I went into one of the department stores and I remember seeing a picture of, of Carolyn Murphy mm-hmm. and, um, and I was like, Oh my God, this girl is just so beautiful. Like, like just her bone structure is perfection. Right. Totally. And I thought I'd love to work with her one day. And it was funny because Brian Smith called me and he's like, hey, so I have this um, model friend who I'd love for you to work with. Um, can you do hair? And like at the time, I was really desperate to work and I didn't want to miss an opportunity. So mm-hmm. he's someone to do hair. That's <laughs> I've been there and that's the worst, especially oh, if you don't. Oh my goodness. It was so stressful. But you did it. I did it. I did it. So, but the funny thing is like, I, I wish I could show you. I, I think I should, I, I, this is a really funny story. So I'll never forget. Like, so he's like, can you style? I'm like, yeah, I can style. And so, <laughs> so brave of you too. You know what? Roxy necessity breeds ambition. Boom. <laughs> that needs, that's going to be a highlight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can you say it one more time? Cause I think, you know, if you even think about right now, hundred percent necessity breeds ambition. And, um, and I'll never forget. We, he didn't tell me who the girl was. We go to the Palisades and I got like, like my hair stuff. And you know, my mom, she was an artist, but she also was a hairstylist and she, um, I, you know, I, she sent me all of her stuff. So I had, I had stuff to work with. And I'll never forget, rang the bell. It was just Brian and I, skeleton crew, and who opens the door? But Carolyn Murphy, and that changed everything for me because it was those pictures that we worked on together that got me all the clients that I had ever hoped to work with. 
And um, that's amazing. But the funny thing is, I'm just going to try to find it because this is really yeah. Um, So I remember thinking, oh my god, it's Carolyn Mowbray. She's no, I can't do (laughs) it. Oh my goodness, that is you know, it's like someone you they can feel energy. Mm -hmm. I have been you there. Can't do hair, they're gonna know just by the way you hold the brush. Just yes. by the way, every- and <laughs> the last thing that I wanted was for this amazing woman to not have confidence in me. So this is really funny. I'm gonna look this up. Um, okay, you're gonna love this. So I'll never forget. Like sh- I, we had this like long sweater, and I thought, you know what? Your face is so beautiful. Let's just focus. Forget about the hair. Let's just focus. Let's just oh focus goodness. on the face. And look, this was the first shot. Oh, that's incredible too. Look at that. Okay. There are so many pieces to pull on from this story because the, I mean, the, the, the perseverance, the hustler, you know, the, the resilience, the ingenuity, like in that moment right there. Okay. We know that hair is not my real thing. I don't want her to feel a lack of confidence because, and we know this, like, you know, and I'm sure a lot of artists who are listening, the minute any sense of like, (laughs) like, Oh, makeup, hair, styling. It's like you go into the jungle and it's like animal kingdom, man. And if you can, if anyone, if that talent detects uh, the slightest bit of lack of confidence, the whole situation is just fucked up. Over. The energy of the, the energy of the shoot is it's over. But, but Roxy, I don't want you to think that like I moved to LA and I was like hustling and I'm doing it. I cried, I think, every single day for like a year. Like I used to come home from canvassing all day and I realized like how, how I'd made like no money and I walked and talked and spoke to so many people to, to try to make a difference in having them vote for city councilmen. And, and I would just come home and be like, I still don't think I'm going to make my rent this month. Like it's still like after all of that. And then on, on like on weekends, I would be testing with Brian and, and it was, it was a real defining moment for me because I'll never forget right before I left my friend Gio, who owns this really cool company called uh, Butcher James. He gave me this book called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And he said to me, listen to me. And he, I love this guy so much. He's just such a solid, talented, incredible human being. And he has been such a huge inspiration to me in my life. Yeah. He gave me this book and said, I want you, no matter how difficult it's going to be for you when you get out there, I want you to read this book every single day, even if it's a couple of pages. And I want you to do it in the morning. And I want you to do it at night because in the morning is 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 how you project yourself to the world and at night you sleep on your subconsciousness so you make sure that this book becomes your bible this is it i i, I 
this is a newer version. It's called As You Think. And I have given it, including to you, every single person I love and care about, I've given this book to, um, to people that I, that okay. I, okay. I have to step in and say this part because uh, there's a couple things. Um, going back really quick to the part where you're like, Roxy, I don't want you to think that I was just like hustling and it was all happening. You know, I remember so often in the trenches of my climbing in the career, you know, makeup artistry, I remember thinking like, man, I want to hear more conversations from the people who are at the top about, yeah, we get the highlight reel all the time, but what about the time you couldn't fucking pay rent? Because for the most part, there are some people who maybe really got in the back door, maybe didn't experience a lot of these things. But for the most part, a lot of uh, artists have touched in these areas at some point, if not more often than not, you know, on the, on the journey. So number, I love you for expressing that, but even going back to, you know, when you and I met one of the other things, and there are so many things that I just, I, 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 I loved you for, and I felt so appreciative. And, and to this day, it's like a gift that keeps on giving, but you were always so open about this stuff with me. Like you, you made it, you know, and I, and I know this comes out in the personal intro that I will share privately, but you're the only mentor I've ever had in my life, really out, like outside of my family, my mother, you know, and, and this is, this is the thing. It's like, you were so open about how it works and the hard times and, you know, the wisdom and the advice and giving me that book and that book that, which mine is still to this day, like it sits behind me and I open it so often. I remember your very words of reading it every day. And there's a big story that's coming, you know, from that, from where we were right now that I'm excited to get into, but like, you know, you, I just want to make it so clear. Number one, I love how real you are about all of this, how open you were to share it with me and also how powerful your story, your words, you know, the impact that you, that you, I, not just on me, I know on so many people and now people listening to this, like you have serious impact, Gina. And I, I am so, I'm so grateful to you for, for it. So I just had to say that because you know, you're sharing these stories and my eyes get watery because I'm like, it takes me and my own life back to those moments with you and where I was in my career life and like all the shit that I was dealing with. And I have this woman that I so respected and admired and how open you were and, sh and how loving and compassionate and supportive you were to me. Man, that's why it's like, Gina, I'm a fucking soldier of love forever, Team Gina. Because <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah, so because people don't do that, you know? And, I, and well, so, you know, we do, we, we live in a, in, in a, we work in an environment that is extremely pretentious. And, um, and, you know, I think that you can learn a lot from a person by how they treat the people that work for them. I never had anyone help me. I had, I've never had anyone say, hey, you know what? Let, we're going to give you a chance. Like, no one did that for me. Like, to say, I've, I've tried to assist people. Mm -hmm. I tried, like, I've, I, I tried, but no one would give me the opportunity. Yeah. And, um, and I think that is one of the reasons why I'm so open about my struggles, because the struggle is real. 
And if you pretend that you've never struggled in your career to get to where you are, then that's just not true. I mean, every major challenge combined with our deepest fear and struggle will will be so impactful, but also change us as human beings. And um, it becomes our, we discover our greatest strengths. And <clears throat> I mean, I feel like it's strengths that we didn't know exist. So, so I think that when you do meet someone, like when I met you, I wholeheartedly, I'm a very open person in general. It's sometimes it's, it works against me, believe me. Um, but um, I'm a very open person. And um, when I meet someone and I, I love, it's like full on love. Okay. And I'm loyal to the day. Like I am just so such a loyal person. And when, when I, I remember when I, when we first met, I was like, I love this girl. So this was, um, you know, you just, you just have an, it's an energy and you feel it. And so it's like, when I look at you, I feel like I'm looking at my sister. And That's what you said though. And I can sure. visually remember the moment you were standing and you look gorgeous. And we're at this Shumura event in San Francisco. It's a big deal for me. I moved from New York and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do my makeup artist career. And now Gina Brooke, you know, is, is creative director Shumura. We're at this event and you, and we've, it's a long day. We, I mean, you, you remember those days. It's like, you're just going through all kinds of women. You're, and you, and, and talk about energy. Mama, like your energy is just regal and you're so classic and so sophisticated and so warm. I mean, I remember the conversation even um, at another event that we would have together as a group, how you would, you know, take all of us artists and, you know, have a talk with us. You're just so good. And so here we are in this moment and you're, we're working on this woman together. And I just remember you looking at me and you're like asking me questions like, you remind me of my sister. Michelle. And by the way, my sister's name is Michelle. So both of us have moms that do hair. And now we have a sister's name, Michelle. And that was literally, that was our moment. And then like, literally it was after, I mean, this is so long ago. It's so special. What was it like 2004? I'm like, yeah, what year is it? Yeah. At least something like that. I'm the worst with. Oh no. I have a memory, I have a memory of like, I have a really great memory. It's crazy. I can remember like my driver's license number. I can remember. Oh, all really? Oh yeah, I can remember dates, what people are wearing, but I couldn't tell you what I ate yesterday. <laughs> you are so cute. I'm, I think I'm the opposite. I always know my food, but I'm like, what year is it? Like, I just, <laughs> no, yeah, it's 2004. So 16, yeah, I mean, it was so long ago. Well, no, because I remember it was 2004 when I started working with, uh, Shuamora, which was, that was like a, a, a dream come true for me. I really felt like, well, that's, that's another story. I'll, yeah, I want to we'll go there. Yeah. I want to, um, talk about, uh, how James I got Alan. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing that is, this is the last piece there and it really bridges us into that next moment for you. Because one thing that has always stood out to me where I'm sure like some of the people listening to your story so far is like, what? She wants to live in that apartment. And all of a sudden the apartment that never is available is available. She goes into the store and it's like, I want to work with you. And then boom, you're working. One thing about you. And I, I can say, this is all so very real. You are such an incredible manifester. 
manifestation, visualization. Yeah, I am. I am. You know, I never, I never used to be like that until I got this book. And I think that when I started reading it every day and realizing that it, anything is possible. I mean, I think that seeing my mom put her concepts on canvas made me realize that like you can, something that she said that I, I, I'll never forget. She said, um, always remember your life is your canvas, but you control the paintbrush. That's pretty beautiful. You can make your, you can make your canvas colorful or you can make it blank, but you're in charge. And I thought, wow, like there are so many things that I remember now about my mom that she said to me that when I read this book, I'm like, wow, my mom didn't probably didn't read this book, but she certainly, there are some, some quotes in here that would come out of her mouth. And so I do believe it's about perception. When you surround yourself in an environment with people or, or not, maybe you, you exclude yourself. For me, uh, like I, I gain energy by being alone. I'm not uh, like, there are some people who are like, you know, vampires and they need to like be around a bunch of people to gain their energy. Like I'm not that person. I am like, I, I can be so gregarious, but I also need my space and my time and I need my time for my meditation and, and focus. And, and if I don't have them, I'm that time I'm all over the place. So I think moving to California and not knowing anybody and being alone for so long forced me to be with myself and to be with my feelings, accept my feelings and to be constant, um, to be, uh, what's the word? Ancient, you were so, I, I, maybe I have the word for you because this is literally what happened to me when I moved from New York. It was, even though my immediate family is here, but I had been gone for almost 14 years or whatever it was, so much introspective work. So rather than going out and filling space, yeah. I, I got into this space and studied art and studied it. And I feel like that's where, I mean, it, like you're literally making me just like choke. <laughs> you know, I, the, the crazy thing is like, there are so many artists that I know and they are full blown networkers. Like yeah. they go to every party, they go to every event, they go to like, I'm the opposite. I don't nice. want to go to every party. I don't want to go to an event. Like if I go to an event, it's like, okay, it's, there's something about it that like maybe it's close to my home and it's convenient or like, my friend's going and like, I want to support a friend, but I have never gone to a party or an event to network it's it's not who i am it's not it's not how i operate like i operate by you know working hard and and meeting people and building relationships and hopefully those people refer me and like that's that's how i've always run my business it's never like hey let's go out and let's do this or come join me here i'm just not that person so um, it's very foreign to me. And I, I really applaud people who have the ability to go outside of themselves and the energy to, to be everywhere and do everything. But to me, that's, that's like my nightmare. <laughs> it's like exhausting. Exactly the same. I'm, I literally remember a friend at the time 
telling me, you need to go out rocks. Like you really need to, you know, get out more. And, you know, and I don't even live in Hollywood. Like I live in the South Bay, so I'm, which is beautiful. And I'm, I'm like, but this was my thought process. Aside from the fact that, yes, it's so much energy that I just don't feel inspired to, you know, invest in. But my thought process was this too. And I feel like, tell me what you think about this. Um, I can't go out with this agenda of, oh, I'm going to go meet people because it's not genuine. And then my thought goes, because I always think in layers, right? So I'm like, well, if you are not being genuine in your action, like you genuinely don't want to be there, well, what kind of people are you going to meet? You're probably going to call in people who are not that genuine, right? So now we're just like not genuine on not genuine and not genuine. And I'm not saying that if you go out and you network that you're not genuine, but I'm saying from where I come from, and I feel like this is where you were too. It's like, it's not in my heart. I'm the same. I'll go out if it's a friend, if there's some kind of authentic calling for me to be there for whatever convenience. Okay, cool. I'm there. But if it's something where I'm like, I don't want to go, I just feel like, what are you building on then? It's just, you're not going to build anything authentic. So I didn't do it. Uh, it's just <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you, like I believe listening to your inner GPS is when you really focus, like you're a very healthy, focused, driven person, right? Yeah. And I feel the same about myself. Yeah. But I also feel that when you're not centered, it's very hard to, to have a, a great radar. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. So like for me, when when I first get that feeling of, I can't put my finger on it, but just something feels, doesn't feel right to me. I, there were times that I just disregarded because I always looked at people's best qualities. Like I always see, it's sort of like my approach to beauty. When I look at someone's face, I never look at how I want to conceal their flaws. I just focus on their best attributes. Wow, your eyes are beautiful, your brows, your lips, your skin. And I want to enhance that. So to conceal is just not, it's just not how I operate. Um, that being said, I think when you, when, when I would meet people, I always look for their best qualities. But as you get older and you learn, there's a lot of ingenuine people out there. Yeah. And unfortunately, everyone, not everyone, but most people have an agenda. And, and they are going to try to do whatever they can to, to be a part of your, you know, close knit yeah. um, environment to, and do whatever they can to, to get ahead in their career. And knowing people, we all know when you know someone, it helps you. Yeah. It's, it's, there are very few people who are self-made. Mm -hmm. Like most people are, you know, the daughter of somebody or the, like there's, and, and, and there are people who obviously are self-made and who come from uh, a place where they don't need to be. But I just feel like when you're, when you're in an environment where you feel something is not right, I think you've got to listen to your intuition. And I, and I think that was, that, that's what's brought me to where I am today because even moving to California, like I didn't know anybody and just all of these things, it's just as a feeling like this is something I need to do. Yeah. And, 
and not putting the fear and all the obstacles because no matter what, there's going to be obstacles in your way. Whatever you do, you're going to experience that. So to focus on it is, 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 an, is an injustice to yourself. So you've got to, you know, hone in on what is your long-term plan? Like, where do you, where do you want to go? And then, you know, I feel like if you know the end, mm-hmm. if you have a clear vision of where you want to end up, you know where to begin. Yes, of course. It's like you reverse engineer. It totally makes perfect sense. And there's something that you said there that I'm really excited because I want to pick at um, your mind in this particular area a bit. So you talk about intuition and that is something that I agree just from knowing you all these years. Um, You've been very, very, very connected to your intuition. And there's a moment in your career that I know that I'm really excited I want to talk about where you know, you're in a really rough spot and all of the sudden this opportunity comes up, right? You're in this position. It's pretty rough. You get this like, holy shit moment opportunity, right? Uh, client situation. Okay. But there was even a challenge in that moment where it was like, what was being presented to you, most people would be like, I'm running, I'm, I'm running towards it. You actually were like, wait, hold on. Let me think about this. And that while this is, while this is, while this is great, while this is a big moment, is this really my, how I want to move towards it? And what I'm really interested, aside from that um, amazing story, Gina, is that moment with yourself, that self-talk, that process, that listening to yourself, because it doesn't matter who the client was and what the thing it's more for me anyways. And what I really feel like our listeners like what's a more of, because in their life, you know, it could be whoever, whatever, but it's about the big takeaway that could really affect people in the most positive empowering way is that self dialogue that you had that moment, that check-in and where you were brave enough and you stood in your integrity and you stood in your, your, your intuitive self and your courage to go, well, this is so incredible. This is actually how I'm going to move towards it. And so I would just love to be in that moment with Gina's mind and, you know, how did you do that? Cause that's gnarly. <laughs> okay, so, so, um, I had lived in California for about a year and a half and there were still no possibilities of any job. I had a negative balance of $45 in my bank account and I just decided I'm out. It it just did not happen for me. I'm letting go and I am no longer going to do this this struggle. It's so hard to to move to another state where you don't know anybody and you have no family. So like, I like, and the worst part is like, I was, telling my parents, things are great. I I just got another job. And I didn't want them to know that I wasn't working because they would be so, so worried about me. And I didn't want them to worry. Yeah. So they thought that I was doing really well, but I was struggling. And, um, and I'll never forget. Um, I was, I decided like, I believe in when you, when you get to the point where you just have to let go, you have to let go of trying to control or attain something and it's not happening. You have to just let it go and just trust whoever it is that you trust, the universe, God, Buddha, whoever. And you just got to let go and just say, 
Oh, surrender. And um, I'll never forget, like the night before, I just said, I'm surrendering. I'm no longer doing this. I can't, I don't think this is healthy for me to live like this. Um, and uh, I'm going to start, I, I went and got some boxes and I started packing all of my things. And I was like, I am now just moving. That's it. I'm moving back home. And uh, as I was packing, I'll, it was like eight o'clock at night. And my friend, Gara Gambucci, she lived uh, on the second floor of this sweet little complex. Our Melrose. Oh my I God. Was say, I didn't even tell you about the book. So the, Mel, the, Melrose, the whole story about the Melrose Place, that is where they, they got the idea of Melrose Place, my complex. I literally, did you see it coming out at the same time? Cause you, you telling the story took me to your complex and I was like Melrose place. And then you just said it. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> so, um, so I was like, Hey, what are you doing? And I thought, and I said, Oh, I'm just, you know, putting with things, things, some things away. And she's like, come up to my apartment. I've got this really cool girl here. She's so cute. And you know, she's starting her own agency and she's looking, she's looking for artists to represent. And I thought, this is interesting. Um, I'm going to just have another person to shoot me down. And, um, I don't really, I don't really want to go. And she said, no, you have to come. If, if anything, just come. There's some really cool people here. Just come anyway. Just, just, just do it. And I said, okay. And bring your book. And I was like, oh God, now I'm walking up to her her apartment with my book. I'm like, I don't care. care. So I took my book and it was about 30 pages of all tests, not one tear sheet. Now I had already been a makeup artist for, for, for seven years. And here I am with my, you know, tear sheets, some people we know, some people who don't, and they're all tests. Mm -hmm. And I walk up to Gara's apartment and there sits this girl from Beverly Hills, really pretty blonde hair, big, beautiful black brown eyes. Her name is Jordana. And, um, and, uh, Gary introduces me to her and, um, she's like, so tell me about yourself. And I was like, Oh God, you know, it's like that. It's so painful to me to have to like that, you know, introduction and selling yourself. It's just, I just didn't have it in me. And I was like, well, I just moved here from New York about a year and a half ago. And, you know, that New York just came out like, fuck it. Here I am. This is what you got. (laughs) I try, I'm trying to get an agent, but you know, everybody, I, every, every agency I go to asks me what celebrities I work with. And she's like, well, what celebrities have you worked with? And I was like, baby King. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, "Mm, yeah, we love you. But, but like what, you know, what icons have you worked with? I'm like, no one. And so, um, so then the funny thing is she, um, she, she said to me, where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? And it was just like a light bulb. Like I instantly connected with her and I was like, I see myself, uh, working product development. And she said, okay, how do you think you're going to get there? And I said, by doing makeup. 
because, you know, I work with textures, I work with colors all day. I could, I can make these products if I wanted to, and I have access to them easily. I know what works. I know what doesn't work. I, I can do this with my eyes closed. And she's like, okay, in order for you to get a contract, you need to work with celebrities. And I'm like, oh my goodness, here we go again. It's this, this, this path with to celebrities. I moved here to try to work with them, but it's just not working for me. <laughs> so she said, um, okay, um, if you could work with anyone, who would you work with? And I said, I don't care. To be honest with you, I just want to work. I'm an artist. I don't care about celebrities. I just want to work. It's not about working with celebrities. At this point, I just want to express my artistry. And she said, I get it. But like, is there anybody on your wish list? And I said, no. And she's like, well, well, think of one person iconic that you would like, that's, that's relevant today that you would want to work with. And to be honest with you, there really wasn't anyone that I wanted to work with. Like, oh, I wish to work with this person because I'm not a, a, a like, yeah. like a fan of, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. I just, it's really simple for me. Mm-hmm. And I thought I, I, I have to, I'm under pressure to, to say a name. And the only person I can think of is Michael Jackson and Madonna. And I guess I'm going to choose Madonna at this point. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's Prince too, but like, so, so he goes, okay, I'll tell you what, give me your book. And I just want to say to you, no promises. Okay. But I'm going to try to make it happen. I'm going to try to get your book out there. And I was like, cool. So didn't even think about it, kept packing, was trying to figure out like how I'm going to send this stuff back to, like, I was really focusing on the, like going back to New York. And, um, two days later she calls me up and she goes, hi, this is Jordana. I have good news and I have bad news. What do you want to hear first? And I thought, God, just, just give me, just give me the good news first. Cause I can't take any more bad news. And she's like, well, I, I got your book to Madonna and she loved it so much that she's flying to New York in two days. I was like, really? And she's like, oh yeah. And I thought, this is amazing. So the first thing in my mind, I was like, how much is she paying me? Yeah, don't just that's the bad news. The bad news is because she doesn't know who you are and she's giving you this huge opportunity She's wants to test you out. And so you need to work for free. And it was a defining moment for me because I thought to myself, like, I remember these things that my parents told me. And one thing my father said before I left his car, when he dropped me off at the airport, is he said, remember one thing, people don't respect what they don't pay for. And I realized I mean, we've all seen Truth or Dare, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to go into the lion's den, not respected. Mm-mm. So I, you know, I thought, I know this is an opportunity and I get it, but I'm not working for free because I worked my butt off even to this point and I may not have anything, but I do have my pride and I have my integrity and if she wants to hire me, just like anybody else, I'm providing a service. She needs to pay, pay, pay me, period. And um, 
Jordana's like, I think you're making a really big mistake. And I said, I'm not. So here's, here's what I propose. Go back and tell her my day rate is 6,000, but I'll do it for three. <laughs> you're a gangster. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so incredible, powerful, badass, And yeah, it's so true. I remember you sharing the words that your father shared with you, with me in my own career. And it stuck, man. You, I'm telling you, like these words have stuck with me for, you know, and it's just because it's so true. But that, that is a big piece because like I said before, I, you know, when I was kind of bringing us to this moment, so many people, majority people, let's be real, would never go that way. They would be like, okay, you know, especially considering where you were financially, all the, you know, um, and, and to have that, to have that courage to stand. And that, that's another piece that I wanted to ask you about that moment. Like, because, you know, fast forward, you become her makeup artist for, I don't know how many years, but for a long time. Right. What did you learn about yourself in that moment? after, you know, you, 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 you do that. And then you get to, I don't want to fast forward if you want to go into those details, but just to say like, it works out for you basically. Yeah. She, you, yeah. She agreed. And she flew me to New York. What I learned is when you honor yourself, people feel that energy. When, when you are, you know, sometimes going into a job, bright eye and bushy tail, you're going to get stomped on. Like that's, you're going to get turned on. And you need to know your audience and you need to do your research when you're working with specific people. And we all know Madonna has an unbelievable work ethic, right? She is very regimented and she's very focused. And um, I just knew that just from watching Truth or Dare, if I went in there bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, it would be over for me. I wouldn't have a second opportunity because she would see me here. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want her to see me there. I didn't want to be desperate. And because I also knew that in my mind that if I were flown back to New York and I'm working for a week and I'm not being paid, then how is that going to make me feel? I'm working with someone who, yes, I'm, I'm given, I'm, I'm, I have the opportunity to, to, to change my career with this one person who can do that for me. But what if it didn't work out, right? Yeah. What if it didn't work out? Then who loses? Yeah. I do. Because, you know, just to say that like there are people that have worked with her maybe once and they say, Oh, I've worked with her. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's not where I was going. Like I, I wanted to have, I wanted to, I'm a, I'm a, when it comes to work, I am, I am a work. Uh, uh, I have yeah. a great, yes, you do. Me professional. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't speak until I'm spoken to, I keep it. I'm all business. Yes. I wish that I could be some of those people like some people in hair who are so gregarious and filled with personality. I'm not that person. I know my strengths and weaknesses. I will give you 
a hundred percent. I will give you a pristine kit. I will give you, you know, everything that you need. I will know every detail in all of my products. I will know ingredients. I'll know where they're made, how they're made, everything. Oh, a hundred percent. I am not going to be your, um, your, like your entertainment. You're not a small talker. I mean, your kit, you're like, Every pencil. I mean, I loved, I mean, what a gift for me, you know, all the, the handful of times that I, I, I got to, um, assist you and it's like, everything is polished clean. I always remember you saying like new products, how it made you feel going into a job. It's true. Like I don't want cracked eyeshadow. Everything was clean. You roll up, there's a candle. It's like, you are an environment. You're an essence. You're a mood. You are particular. And all of that you know, it, it's so beautiful and so powerful. It affected me greatly as well. Um, but I know what you mean also about the other, you know, there's artists who roll up on set and they are the show. And it's like this whole, <laughs> and actually the, the people that they work with, like they actually need them to be or want them to be. I've never been that, you know, I'm not a small talker. Yeah. But yeah, your strengths, man. I mean, that's like a whole rabbit hole of a conversation too, because, um, again, there was so much impact for me of just set etiquette. There was, uh, you know, the cleanliness, the particularness that, you know, you're, you're Gina, your luxury. <laughs> I like looks. There's no question. I know. I remember one day driving, um, I got my first Audi after moving from New York and you and I were in the, the, my car, we were driving to a job and you were like, Oh my God, I love it. And you're like, you got to leave room for a little bit of luxury in your life. It was something like, it was so, yeah. Oh, I love it. You got, I mean, no, you said you got to have a little luxury in your life. That's exactly what it was. I, I was like, damn straight. Anything could be any, just something that like, you know, I really appreciate like how things are made, like the click, the click of a lipstick you know, the weight of something, like all of these things, I, these, these little details, I feel they're special and why not? And it translates into your makeup because in my opinion, you're the queen of skin. You're the queen of this winged black, like, you know, we've mentioned Madonna. There's so many other people, but like, I'm sure a lot of people listening can think of that cat eye, perfect liner. You're the queen of it. And you know, so when you, when I hear you talk about color textures, the particular, like the sound of the lipstick, all of that is translated into your artistry where it's like, it's not about this, um, you know, you can do the super avant-garde, like the, you know, dimensional, but what's even more powerful for me personally, um, because this is my aesthetic style and what I love too, you could take chapstick, Gina, and you'll know exactly where to put the chapstick on the cheekbones, in the, you know, the lashes on the, and you will make that face look fucking incredible. So it's like these delicate touches. Well, thank you. I love you. Um, your skin is unlike anybody else's skin. I, it's so, thank you. I think, um, skin is, it, it, it really, right. What was Shu Amura's like tagline? Beautiful makeup starts with beautiful skin. And it, does. it begins with the skin. I've always said that even before Mr. Umar knowing him, like your, your skin is the canvas, right? And if your skin is not prepped properly, that's it. Your makeup is not good. There's going to be like no longevity. You, it won't sit on your skin as beautifully. You, you, I actually spend more time prepping 
the skin and I do the makeup. Yeah. Yeah. You taught me a lot about that. So, you know, when we think about like oxygen skin treatments, when we think about, you know, the layering of the moisture, I like, I, you know, cause I also, I think I naturally just, um, understand at least from my personal aesthetic, like what texture and finish I want skin to look. I want it to breathe and look like supple and young. And by the way, just to bring this back to the audience, I mean, this is before, you know, I mean, yes, there was retouching on magazines and stuff, but like now, you know, you have social media where everything is just face tuned and all that shit. So it's like you, this is when you do red carpet, one of the things that I love and I really pride in on, on red carpet is there's no room for error tour. She's on stage. There is no room for error because that is not a retouched photo. That is like, you know, the lights on red carpet, get out of here. They like, they're horrible. Like a lot of times anyways, they are, you know? So yeah. if you don't understand how to do that part, especially skin, especially in LA, um, yeah, I don't know how far you're going to go, but anyways, to bring it back to you and being particular and delicate and luxury, you know, just in, in all aspects of your artistry and just who Gina is, um, yeah, it, it's, you're phenomenal in that way, Gina. Thank you. I feel the same about you. I want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's so subjective, but I would really love to hear from you. What makes, in your opinion, what Millie makes a woman stand out as beautiful? Um, confidence. Confidence. I mean, I have seen girls show up on photo shoots where I had no idea that they were the model. And when they sat in my chair, I was like, what are they doing? Like, I had no idea. Like, pretty, but I didn't expect, like, model. Mm -hmm. And once, you know, makeup, hair, wardrobe, and they're, they're standing on set, and the way they move their bodies, and just the confidence and the, you know... It is, it is captivating. It's magnetic. And I think whatever it takes for a person to feel confident, even if it's like anything, whether it's meditating, a highlighter, a new outfit, whatever it is, you know, you have to nurture those, those little details because the way in which a person carries themselves is, is, is expressing who they are as individuals. And, um, I mean, I've also worked with a lot of girls who have never been on a photo shoot in their lives. And like, they are the most beautiful, most, I mean, when I mean perfection, I'm talking about like perfect skin, like just perfect. But the second that they're in front of the camera, it's a lot of flat, of same pictures. Like there's no life to these pictures. Yeah. And, um, I think that the problem is is they don't have confidence in themselves. So they're not projecting how they feel. I mean, I believe people project their inner feelings. Yeah. And, and, and some people, when you, you, you glam them up, they really can play that role beautifully. They really can. And I think, and if you don't have to get glammed up, it could just be like, you know, a new outfit. Oh, totally. But 
something. I know there's, for me, there are certain things, there are certain outfits. Like I just feel like a million dollars and I could, and they're not expensive. I just love them so much. And it just makes me feel just the best that I can possibly feel. And that's what it's really about. It's like finding those little things that, that ignite your soul to give and, and to, to recognize, you know, your, your best attributes. I mean, personally, I think that, you know, my philosophy on beauty is that like, I did this thing with about 15 women. Um, and these women, I, I had them all focus on their best attribute, which is their lips. And every woman I spoke to from the age of 16 to 96 all said, I, you know, I have like my skin is, is not perfect and I have dark circles and my lips are not big enough. And everyone had something to say about themselves that they wanted to change. But I tried with each woman I interviewed and I did a, a small documentary, which I should release at some point is <laughs> I said, I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to focus on your best attribute. And all the women that picked lips, I thought this is going to be the easiest way for women to identify their best attribute over a period of 10 days. So what we did was each of these women of all ages had to wear lipstick morning, noon, and night. Bright red lipstick. Oh, wow. The point was their job was every time that there was a reflection, you know, how sometimes you pass the store window and you see yourself. Yeah. Or you, you know, you go to a department store and you see yourself and that, that initial, that initial feeling that you feel sort of like when you love someone so much and you just see the beauty in them and you're like, you are so beautiful. Look at your skin. Look at this. Or how you would tell your sister or your best friend that talk that you have to talk to yourself like that every time you look in the mirror and you're not focusing on your your, your flaws, you're focusing on that one feature that you love. And if that one feature is you love it, then we need to highlight it. So for 10 days, these women, they wore bright red lipstick. And a lot of these women were not red lipstick girls. Each and every one of them told me after the 10 day period was up that they felt so good about themselves, that everybody acknowledged them. They acknowledged their best attribute. They, they glanced themselves in the mirror and that's the first thing that they saw was their, their lips and it changed the, the, the neurological structure of their brain and it built their self-esteem and it made them feel empowered and that is what makeup is supposed to do. It's not to hide your flaws, it's to bring out your best attributes and when you stick to a philosophy like that and you, you teach younger girls how to look at a structure of a face and, and to really bring out their best attributes, it's a different energy and, and the people will feel it and you will feel it. I love that. Gina, you have to put this out. That's incredible. Well, that's actually how I got my contract with, um, LVMH with makeup forever because I went to them and said, Hey, I'm doing this documentary. Would you participate? And they said, do you want to make a red lipstick for us? And I was like, yes, but only if every woman of all skin tones can wear it. It has to be diverse. It has to be universal. And they're like, let's do it. And we created, and that's how it happens. So like, you know, sometimes 
things get put on the back burner, but it leads you to something else. And like with Shuamora, like that 10 year plan that the agent who I ended up working with for a decade, mm-hmm. she managed my career and I had an amazing, um, so much success with her as my partner. Yeah. It was, you know, a period of my life where I could say that um, I was, I was being living my truth and being who I really wanted to be up until the point where I was like, this, this does not work for me anymore. Like yeah. to explain to me, I, I may be digressing right now. No, but, no, but yeah, <laughs> no, but <laughs> you're so beautiful and you're digressed. Um, no, but yeah, no. And cause that's an important piece too, career evolution. Um, and just thinking about, God, there's so many pieces with you, Gina, the red lipstick. It makes me think about your lashes too, always creating the lashes. Okay. Let's talk about those lashes for a second. So, uh, after working a couple of like for the first year with this celebrity client, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, okay, I'm going for my dream. It's my dream is not to be a makeup artist. My dream is to do product development. I want to conceptualize things. I want to create things and I want them glorified. Like I want to, I want to make people have fun with it. And so I'll never forget. I called shoot Ramora. I called L'Oreal and they had just come to the States. And I said, I'm a makeup artist. I really want to work with you. And they were like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is who my client is. And I have just been asked to go on tour. And I would love to give you guys the first opportunity to create something special for her tour. Are you open to it? And they were like, yes. <laughs> so it's using those experiences because, you know, being in that environment is not all, you know, uh, it's, it's not all like, you know, happy sunshine. It's just... Mm-mm it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of bobbing and weaving and um, it's a lot of dedication and, you know, being in that place is not only provides you so many opportunities, but it also puts you in a small box. Yeah. So you have to figure out how you're going to take those opportunities in your career and really go to the next level. So for me, I knew if I was going to be working with one person and being her artist, then I have to venture out because this is not going to last forever. And so if I want to reach my goal and do product development, I need to take the current people that I'm working with, get them on board, making them a part of what I'm creating for them. and then marketing it. And that's what I did with Chumora. I'll never forget. I was, I, when I called Chumora, Mr. Lamora came to Beverly Hills and it was such an amazing experience because I remember coming home from work and I always keep like a white crisp blouse in the back of my, my, my car, just for like, if I have to meet someone for dinner or I always have like a wardrobe change. Girl, and I, you always have like, I remember your little, in case I get the call and I got to go to New York, I always have a kit ready. I mean, you were always, yes, you don't want to scramble the last minute. That's not going to be effective. No. So I'll never forget. I was driving home and I get a call from one of the publicists from Shuamora and he says, 
Gina, um, Mr. Uemura is at, at the, uh, where was it? Uh, I want to say Barney's. It was Barney's, Beverly Hills. Would you like to um, meet him? He's, he's there. We told him that you're living in California and he's, he's more than willing to, to meet you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my God. So I go in the back, I change in my car and I, I drive up to Barney's. I, I hope, or it could be even Marcus. I don't remember. It was one of those stores. And yeah. so I walk in and I meet him. And the minute I walk in, somebody takes a picture of me and him. And like, I have like bangs. I have this white shirt on. I have like a rat. Like I was a wreck from working all day, but I was like, I have to meet Mr. Shuamora. Like he has been such a huge mentor to me in my life. And I like my whole goal of doing this is to work with a brand, a Japanese brand like Shuamora that exudes beauty, art, nature, science. Like this is all the things that I love. And so, um, the next day he invited me to his hotel and there was a translator who was just a love. And I'll never forget. I was, I remember the night before I called my mom and I was like, mom, I called Shuamora and I pitched him this idea and I have no idea what I'm pitching. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, you know, don't panic. You know, I'm like, but I am panicking because I'm meeting Mr. Shuamora himself tomorrow at the Beverly Hills Hotel or wherever he was staying. And I, 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 I need to show up with, a, 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 I need to be, you know, assertive. I need to be calm. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I'm not. And so my mom said, okay. Think of the one feature you love most or the one thing that you think that can instantly transform a face. And I said, lashes. And she's like, bingo, now get to work. And so I hung up with my mom. I'll never forget, it was the night before. It was like 5.30 in the afternoon, 5.30 early evening. And I started sketching, sketching all these different lashes, sketching, sketching, and I thought, you know, the client that I'm working with, she's, she likes Lux. She wants it to be chic. So we're going to make it really chic and over the top. And I, when I walked into the hotel room and I, they, we had a translator and I, I, I got to shake his hand and I felt like, <laughs> this is so silly, but it was like meeting the Dalai Lama of makeup. Seriously. No, but for real, I know. I'm like, I don't know if people even know because, you know, the makeup isn't sold in America anymore, but the hair products are, but, um, you know, so I, and I, I loved, I mean, that's how I met you because when I moved from New York, I was like, well, if I'm going to work with any brands, if I'm going to freelance, there were two brands that I called that was shoe. Mora was number one. NARS was second shoe called me right back and a story. Then I meet you. So shoe, you know, like you mentioned, you said it so perfectly, nature, science, color, text, and he was Mr. Shoe Mora. So you're meeting, I mean, yeah, that's a perfect way I mean, to put it. The Dolly Mama makeup. Frank Sinatra. I mean, this guy is is Incredible. a very special artist. And here I am. I'm, uh, you know, I think that being prepared when an opportunity is when you're faced with an opportunity, that is when you can go. If you're not prepared, it's just not happening. And, and when you like- say, and when you say prepared, just to put a pin in that, you know, you're not just talking about, okay, you have the sketches or 
it's also where you are here. Oh, I've been thinking about this my whole career. Like this was not something that I just came up with a few days before. Like I knew that I wanted to make a product. I knew that I wanted to make a product for this client. And I knew that, but it, you, you have to do something that is your passion. You can't do something. Nothing is going to take off if it's not in your heart, if, the, if it doesn't resonate in your soul. So if I'm just going to do like blush, like it's just, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I do. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> it's, I'll never, like my whole life, I remember as a young girl, like sitting in the car and being with my sister and seeing like the, the, the shadow of their lashes and, and the fluffiness and, and baby's lashes. And it's always something that I just thought was so beautiful and why not? Right. Yeah. And that parlayed and changed the whole trajectory of my career. I, I may end up making the world's most expensive lashes. They sold at Neiman Marcus for $10,000 a pair. Like, and everybody thought I was crazy. They're like, we are, no one's going to buy lashes for $10,000 a pair. I'm like, there is a market for everyone. And if you limit yourself in a box, like, just have to think, like, wouldn't it be fun to have that? Just to have, like, a diamond, furry, beautiful lash? Why not? And there are people that can afford it. So there are people that buy cars and houses and they all have their own thing. Well, lashes are some women feel that lashes are their thing. And and it and it's sold. So impressive. All over the world. And when they asked me to be artistic director, I was like, I this was like my dream. It wasn't working with Madonna. Yeah. Working with Madonna is a huge blessing at that time because it gave me the opportunity. To, to reach my, my number one goal, which was working in product development and, and to be in that environment where I'm actually working with a culture that nurtures detail and, and quality is like dream come true. Yeah. Well, it's a high level of, uh, it's like the, the, for them, because of how they function and operate in their particular, and like you said, like the details and everything from quality, for them to realize and recognize you and then bring you on as their creative director, which by the way, I mean, that's a huge position. That's a huge role. That is such a testament to, you know, your, it was like validation on the highest level for you, I imagine, as an artist, you know? Absolutely. It, you know, and and it also, there's something I want to ask you about, because I think this is something that I don't think we hear this much. And I think it's a very important piece. You know, at that moment, your career is obviously on fire. And with the rise of your career, of anyone's career, really, I mean, there's, you know, there's just a lot more pressure that comes on. You have more responsibility, oh. uh, you know, all. Yeah. And I would love, if you don't mind, just to give a little your thoughts around how, like, how did you, how did you maneuver through this, like these, this, this rise in your career and the pressures that came with it along the way? Because a lot of people, uh, can't handle the pressure. They crack, you know, at at some point or, you know, whether it's an internal crack or it starts to affect their performance, but you have maintained such an amazing job of, 
of, you know, just of managing your whole, and I'm not saying you never had a challenge and shit never got, you know, crazy, but I think overall, you know, you, 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 there's, you've done such a great job, Gina, at maintaining this performance from within and out throughout all of the incredible accolades and, you know, the, the rise of your career. Um, I think it's just a combination of luck and preparedness. Honestly, I, I wish I could, um, I wish I could say more than that other than, um, you constantly have to reinvent yourself, right? So, you know, working with, with Sue and Maura for all those years, it was, there were lessons that I could never go to school and learn. Those are life lessons. Those, the people that I've worked with, that their, their philosophy, their, their, the way they approach conceptualizing things. It's, it was, um, probably the the most amazing um, experience an artist can have in their life. But when that ended, when L'Oreal decided to take Shuamora out of the US, I'm not gonna lie, I was, I was devastated because I thought this is a, such a prestigious brand that really exudes quality and, and performance. And so it, it, it was, okay, where do I go from here? And then I just started focusing on what, what are my, what are my ethics? Where, where do I want to go in my career? So I started thinking like, I want to be with a brand that doesn't test on animals. I want to be with a brand that doesn't have like phthalates and sulfates. And I want to be with a brand that's conscious. And um, then Hourglass Cosmetics came along and I ended up being their artistic director for two years. And that was an amazing experience as well, because it was an American brand privately owned and it, it wasn't, it was a different experience. So now I went from working with a large company like L'Oreal who owns Shuamura mm -hmm. and then going to, and where one product would take, uh, uh, like a year, maybe a year and a half to, to, to produce. And then working with, someone like Carissa James, who, when we developed a product, we would just have it out like that. I mean, of course it's not like overnight, but it wouldn't have to go through all of these, yeah, you know, sure. departments and approvals. And it was so organic and inspiring. And, and that was an amazing to work with a niche brand and going from like Shuamura to Hourglass. Those were two amazing brands yeah. and both had different, philosophies. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I think that when, when you work with brands like that, you have to have to constantly be, um, on top of your game. And of course, you know, all the brands are like, they want you to work with celebrities. Yeah. This, is, this is the, and for me, I was starting to move towards a place in my life, especially when I started working with um, Hourglass where I wanted change and I wanted, I wanted to experience new things. And I didn't want to keep working with one artist. I wanted to expand and I wanted to have other experiences. And, um, and that can be scary. Yeah. And so you, it's another m moment where you're, um, 
you're, you face another one of your unknown fears. Yeah. And so you just have to, you can do two things. You can, you can step back and, 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 and sit in the shadows and just be like, I don't want to go there. Or you can face it and you can just deal with it. And, you know, either way you, you lose if you don't try. Agreed. So what's the point? You have nothing else to lose. Right. The worst that's going to happen is no. Right. And then I started working with like, you know, Makeup Forever. I created a product for them. And then, um, you know, Urban Decay. Yeah. Being a global, you know, cosmetic consultant was like, wow, Urban Decay. When I was growing up, it was like blue nail polish, purple nail polish. It's like, you know, just going against the grain. And I just felt like, that was um, that was really important to me. Hold on a second. Okay, um, that was really important to me. So I, I think you know, surrounding yourself with people and staying centered is the most important um, position you can put yourself in because you've got to reinvent yourself and you can't stay comfortable because at some point. You are, you will be uncomfortable by yeah. staying. Yeah. Is that- oh, that's perfect. Oh no, it's so perfect, and it's so transferable. Even if you know, for people who, I mean, listen, in my own position where it wasn't necessarily a progression in my makeup career, it ended up being no, I'm progressing, and these other aspects of you know, what makes me, me, what makes me tick, what I'm fired up about, what I'm passionate about, which ends up being black belt beauty, what ends up becoming the podcast. And had I had not, um, taken that, you know, if I just sat, because I, at the point when this all started to happen for me, you know, I was at that point already where I've tasted the highest, I mean, not as high as you, but you know, that level kind of below there. It's just different experiences. For sure. But just to say, yeah, I'm not trying to put down my situation. It's just to say I didn't have a contract with a brand yet or anything like that. But, um, but I mean, listen, creative consultant for uh, a brand flying around private jets on the press tour. Like I'm not trying to put, yeah, I'm not putting down my place at all. Like I've no, I I know the money. I know that the, the, the glitz, the glamour, all that shit. And to get to that place after you climb and you work so hard and then to go, hold on, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to also now do this other thing and let everybody know about it too. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, beauty industry, which by the way, like no one's surprised that I want to talk about nutrition and have these kind of conversations about mindset and all this stuff. Cause if you know me, you know, this is where I live anyways, but it was still, you, you live, you actually, you know, your whole persona is actually who you are. Black belt beauty. I mean, you, you have, when I see pictures of you, like <laughs> coming up on Instagram and like you're in a bathing suit, I'm like, I'm starting my diet on Monday. Like this <laughs> is my mind. Every time I see a picture of you in a bathing suit, I'm like, Monday is the day. Starting my diet. I need Roxy's you. board. Seriously, like Roxy, you live and breathe. You're you're true to who you are and what you're doing, and that is why you are successful at what you do because this is your passion. This is how you live your life. 
it's my truth. And it, thank you. And it's what you were saying. It's like when you are living in your truth and, and not being afraid to step for, I literally have a, it's a campaign under black, but be like, seek the fight. When you, when you, when you start to feel that urge and that, that the instincts come on of like, what's the next step? What's that next progression? You gotta, you gotta move towards it. And you, like you said, you have nothing to lose. You lose when all the time has passed and you didn't do the thing. Like I can't imagine at this point now, if I didn't take the chance and start the podcast, like uh, where would I be? Especially exactly. quarantine. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You know, and to be honest with you, um, the truth of the matter is, and this is going to be really harsh for a lot of people to hear this, but everyone is replaceable. Oh, that was another golden piece of wisdom that you gave me in my career. And it's so true. And to keep that in your head is so important. That's where you've got to be on your game and you've got to give 150% because if it's not you, it's somebody else. And so, you know, you've given 150%, then you're good. And if it doesn't work out, then you know, you did your best. But the truth of the matter is, especially in our business, I mean, I do more product development work now than I do makeup. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I do see that, you know, there's so many different artists and they all are unique and special in their own way. Yeah. And, and it's like, if it doesn't work out, then there's like an agency that has about 50 people on their roster who are going to replace you. And, and that's just how it is. So be you living your truth and doing what you did, just like what, I, you know, what I did. It's like, when you get into artistry, you really do have to think about your end game. What is the end result? And what, what is my truth? You found your truth, right? Health, wellness, spirituality. Like, this is when I think of you, this is who, I, I just think clean beauty. Like, granted, like you do beautiful skin, but I've never seen anybody do a faster smoky eye than you have. Like, please, <laughs> I love you, thank I you. How like, like, it's, <laughs> It's, 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 it's like a, you're on time-lapse. <laughs> like, that I one pencil. So long, much, much, like, and you are like, and <laughs> surrounding yourself with people who are going to inspire you and teach you because you've taught me, I've taught you. And if you don't think that, that, that you can learn from others, like you can learn from anyone. Mm -hmm. And if you don't think, if you're not open to that, then you never grow. I agree. I love that. Like put a bow on that. That is so delicious. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, you're okay. I have this question. It's a big one. I think it's a big one. Cause I don't even know how I would answer this right now. Um, so, you know, not to put you on the spot, but if you could give Gina some advice that you know would powerfully support her as she was getting into her career as a makeup artist, as you know, this incredible artist period. Um, is there something that just comes to you, you know, like advice? Yeah. Or like, sorry, if there, is there something that comes to your mind that would be an outstanding piece of you have so many great isms and wisdoms, but is there just something that you really feel like 
would have been so great for you to know at that starting point. 100%. Yeah. Um, God, there's so many. Um, Yeah. I mean, you dropped, listen, you dropped so many wisdom bombs in this. It's, I feel like an asshole actually asking you you gave me so much. I I think that understanding when you get, when you go into any profession, you have to think where is your invested interest in it? And for someone who wants to be a makeup artist, like you've got to know do you want to do film? Do you want to do television? Do you want to do, you know, editorial? Is it, is it like, like product development? What is it that you want to do? You can't just, you can't just get in a car and not have a destination. You need to know where you're going. Otherwise you're, you're, you're just going to go aimlessly in your career and you're going to be like, you're going to feel like a ping pong ball that all of these jobs are going to pop up and you have no idea where they're going to lead to or why, but you're just going to take every one. And then you're going to come home one day and be like, that was a waste of my time. And like, even for me now, when it comes to working with people, I don't just work with anybody. Like, I don't want to just, you know, my agent calls me and says, Hey, we have someone and you know, she needs this. It's a do and go like, no, who is this person? Do they do anything philanthropic? Like, what do they stand for? What, what, what kind of people are they? I don't want to work with people who don't uh, inspire me. And I don't want to surround myself with people who are going to deplete my energy or maybe not respect me. So when you take jobs, you have to be really clear whether it's creating a storyboard, like most artists are visual. So to write things down, most artists are also kinetic. So writing things down helps attain that information better, but also creating a storyboard of how you see your, your, your career. Like first I'm going to do this. This is who I want to work with. These are the products I want to work with. These are the brands that I love. You create this storyboard, but in the end, the end result is you just don't want to be, and there's nothing wrong with being a makeup artist and just hustling, hustling, hustling. But I'm going to let you know that at some point, people are going to discriminate against you. People are going to discriminate you for who have you worked with? What have you done? What agency are you with? What's your last cover? Um, who, who did you do for a red carpet? You're going to get all of these pretentious questions. Nobody asking, you know, what's your forte? What do you like to do? What's your, what is your, what drives you? You have to be in your driver's seat and you have to decide if I take this job, where is that going to lead me? And if I do this job for free, what am I going to get out of it? You know, you've got to think because if you don't strategically think about where you want to take your career, you're just going to end up, you know, being all over the place. And that's not what you want. Some people get into makeup and then they decide, I want to start my own blog or we'll do what you did. Black belt beauty. I'm going to, this is my passion. I, I love all things beautiful. I love good health. I love wellness. This is who you are. And that's how you parlayed your career. Same for me with product development. You've got to know your destination. Otherwise you'd be driving around aimlessly.
That is so that that is a gift that you just gave everyone who's listening. That's so powerful. It's so true. Girl, it's so good. I mean, it's just it's because, just real. Well, because I don't know if a lot of people think about that or even if they have little inklings. I think another important piece, which your whole this whole talk has just proven, is you got to take the steps forward, right? You have to make your own future. You can't just sit comfortably. If I sat for a decade working with one client and didn't reach out to all these brands, I I reached out to these brands, except for the with the exception of Hourglass, yeah. nobody reached out to me. I reached out to them and said, hey, I love your brand. I loved Hourglass. Don't get me wrong. I used it in my kit. They knew that. But I made it happen. Mm-hmm. Nobody did it. Like I reached out. I didn't call my agent and say, hey, could you reach out to this person? No. I reached out to them and said, I love this product and this product. How could we work together? And so you may get no response. You, But the point is you're, you're taking, you, you've got to, at least make five steps every day to achieve your dream. Five emails, five things, storyboard, whatever it is, you've got to focus on what it is that you love. And if you don't follow your passion, you will just work aimlessly. And then you'll find yourself in a position where you may get a job working with someone and they'll hire you and you'll be that person's person. But guess what? If it's your cousin's wedding, like, one of my biggest regrets and you have to, you know, choose, you know, can you leave tour and go off to that wedding? No, you're under contract. You can't, but there doesn't a day go by that. I don't like my cousin is like my sister. So the fact that I missed her wedding, yes, I was on tour. I was under contract, but it's one of my biggest regrets. It was, it was a milestone in her life and I missed it. And these small little things like, what you need to know is as an artist, there's very little, um, what is the word? Um, loyalty in this business. Absolutely. And so you can give a thousand percent of yourself, but if you have one bad day or you're missing that lip liner that they love, or maybe your assistant says something that turns the client off, you're not working again with that person. And then when you and so that is how it is in this business. It is extremely cutthroat. Yeah. It, is, it is like that. And so you've got to really think about, and also if you want to be in this business, do you want to live not knowing what your, you know, you want to buy a house? Well, guess what? You've got to, you've got to have a steady paycheck. Yeah. Unless you have the cash to buy it, the bank wants to see a paycheck coming from the same person. Right. You've got to, You've got to, you know, and when you do get that money and you can afford to buy something, invest. Don't go on lavish vacations. Don't buy fancy clothes. Invest in real estate because when you invest, you invest in your future. Mm-hmm. And nobody can take that away from you. Girl. You're just so juicy. I fucking everybody. Do you see why? I mean, it's like you're in, you're incredible, Gina. Yeah. I I love you. Well, I I'm sure I better be because otherwise, I don't think we'd be hanging this deep for so long. You know, yeah, like, one of the people I can talk to on the phone for like two or three hours, and easily. we're both not talking phone people. Way, it's it's three forty six. How does this happen? <laughs> 
No, because it does, you know, so when I was in the plan of like, how am I going to have my podcast? Is it long range? You know, Joe Rogan, who's like my podcast muse, his podcasts are three hours long. Girl, they go by fast. I'm cleaning the house. I'm taking a shower. I'm cooking. And they just, and so I knew going into this, to developing my podcast, you know, they're, they're not all this long, um, but they're long. And because when, especially someone like you who has such an incredible, dimensional, robust, powerful, and inspiring story, not to mention who you are to me personally, I, yeah, this was not going to be a, a short conversation. <laughs> that being, <laughs> that being said, I do want to be mindful. You're a mommy and you probably have to stand up, maybe even have to pee. Um, I do want to ask you. Is there anything, because I, I want to shoot my rapid fire words at you, but before I do, is there anything that you want to live in this conversation that we didn't talk about? Maybe there's things that you wish you were asked about or just, I love asking that question because, um, you know, these conversations for me, they're like a piece of art, you know, and they live forever. And I just, if there's anything that you want to express and leave here in this talk, um, I would love to, to hear it. And no worries if there isn't, because girl, we have talked a lot and you've dropped bombs. <laughs> no, I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, my mind is always going a million miles a minute. Like I could be doing something. I could like hear a conversation and do something at the same time and talk to people. I like, I have a thousand things going on at the same time. So it's a loaded question. It's, it's, I mean, all I could say is, um, God, I mean, I'm in a place in my life that I feel like I made some really good choices despite what others thought. Um, I've had blowouts with agents over not taking jobs with certain people because they felt that I was, you know, ruining my career by not, by not going forward with working or continue working or doing things with certain people. And, and I could say that making personal choices and honoring yourself is, is a gift. I would never have had my son if I did not take the time to um, focus on my personal life, I would have never spent my parents' last three breaths with them had I been on set with, you know, somebody who people would die to work with. Um, and now I think I'm in a place that is so clear in terms of where I'm going, where it ends, I don't know. But I, the amount of time I spend thinking about creating is incalculable. It's, you know, I am so into creating non-toxic, sustainable products that preserve and protect the planet. And I feel that when you focus on something that is the good for all and you step outside of this, noise, right? Like you just listen to that inner GPS. I think that the possibilities are endless. 
You're so you make me want to cry. <laughs> no, because it's just so it's so it's so perfect, Gina. I love you. That was dang. I'm like, where's the we need the Gina documentary. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the bridge to it. I don't know. It's really good. It's like so good. Uh okay. I Okay. I'm so, I love you. I, um, okay. So my rapid fire words, you don't need to be rapid. I just want to shoot a few words at you and then whatever comes top of mind, top of heart. Uh, when you think of these words, when you hear these words, let me know what they are. Ready? Okay. First one is love. My son. I knew that. (laughs) Not like it's a game, but I just knew, um, fear. Unknown. Challenge. Every day. Passion. Earth. Uh, People. Curiosity. Life. Resilience. Artist. Inspiration. Earth. I mean, there's inspiration all around us. So there's people, there's nature, there's so much. So I hate to say Earth again, but it's 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 our planet. It's uh, it's our world, and it's inspiring. A hundred percent. It's Earth Day every day in my life and your life. Like literally, girl, we're we're having this conversation, and I can hear the birds in the background, and I love it. I, li- I literally, I love them so much, but it's just like that awareness of our, of our oneness, of this whole thing, you know? So it makes sense to me. I love it. Absolutely. Okay. Every, I'm going to have your Instagram, um, you know, everywhere to find you in the show notes, but, um, can you just drop your Instagram handle in the, oh, yeah. that's, that's where you live most, right. In terms of social media and yeah, yeah. I, um, it's at Gina Brooke Beauty. Okay, perfect. And this is with an E. Okay, amazing. I love you. I Thank you. Know. This is like a, like a literally like a pinnacle moment for me in my podcast. I'm like, I got the Gina time. I am. I am so grateful. And you have to promise me you're going to come out to Montecito and spend a weekend with me. I love you. I was just saying, you know, ideally, you know, the, why it also took so long is because it's like, okay, I got to get up to you. Cause I, I prefer to do my podcast in person, but obviously in quarantine, that's not happening. But a hundred percent, Gina, the minute the gates open up and we get our bearings again, like I'm coming up, I need to hug yeah, you. Just, it's so simple here. There's like no pretentiousness, like <laughs> no. it's, it's classic so beauty. Simple. It is such a relief here. I can't even explain. Like, it's like, it's like you can breathe here. Oh, I feel it. You're like, this is a retreat I'm looking at right now. It's just like Gina's spot. I love it. No, I'm there. I'm there, girl. I love you. Thank you again for everything. Not just this time. Thank you for everything that you've done for me in my life and how it continues to affect me in my life. And aside from me, I view you as an absolute contributor. The way that you maneuver and you show up in life, period, how you mother your child to your friendships, to the strangers, to everyone listening, to the things that are still yet to come, 
from Gina. You're an absolute contributor. So I just want to honor you and thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Boxy. I'm so grateful. Okay, you guys, I'm so excited. You know what to do. Go to her Instagram now. Hit follow. I didn't even need to tell you that because I know you already did. Um, and I will <laughs> I'll catch you guys on the next one. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, you guys. If you loved it, please share it on your social. Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look. R-O-X-Y-L-O-O-K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you